You're listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D, where we share all things related to photography. Welcome to episode 15 of Photo Tea with Anissa D. Today, we're going to be talking about intimate weddings and elopements, what these types of sessions entail, and how to actually get started as an intimate wedding and elopement photographer. And I've actually brought on a special guest to talk about this super fun topic with me. So Carly, could you please introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and where you're from. Hello, I'm super excited to be here. I am from Vancouver, Washington. I always say right across the bridge from Portland, Oregon, because I feel like a lot more people know where that is. <laughs> but that's where I'm from. Awesome. Awesome. Did you grow up there? I did. Yeah. I've lived in Vancouver most of my life. I moved to Seattle for a little bit for college and a few years after college, but ended up back down here. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And do you work then in both Washington and Oregon? Yes. So I'm just like 10 minutes away from Portland, which is really nice because I feel like it doesn't take me long at all to get down to Oregon. So I have a ton of shoots down there and then in Washington as well. Amazing. All of your photos are so beautiful. I'm just like obsessed with the Pacific Northwest. It's all so gorgeous. Oh yeah, I know. I feel like I'm so lucky to be in such a beautiful place as a photographer because there's just so much variety and beautiful places to shoot here. Yes. Yes. Did you go to school for photography or how did you get into photography? No, I actually went to school for teaching and I was a teacher for a few years before I started my photography business, but I've always kind of been passionate about photography and just like creative things in general. I got an art minor in college because I love art so much. I just didn't really think I could do art as like a full-time career. Just, I didn't, I didn't think it was very realistic, I guess. (laughs) So I did teaching instead, but yeah, I don't know. I started by just shooting for fun and like having a camera and then slowly like opened up to the idea of maybe starting like a side hustle with my teaching career, like maybe shooting during the summers, things like that. But then it ended up turning into a full-time thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. When did you officially start shooting slash start your business? I officially started in 2020. Before then, I had done like some senior photos, but nothing really that serious. And in 2020 is when I really decided I wanted to start shooting couples and engagements and see if I could like tap into the wedding world a little bit. Oh my gosh, that's so recent. That's amazing. That's so impressive. And did you start like right before the pandemic or like how, what was the timeline in 2020 like? Yeah, so it was actually after the pandemic had started. My husband and I had gotten engaged in 2020 and then we were planning a wedding. But obviously (laughs) once COVID happened, we decided to elope And just like having that experience with our elopement photographer, and I was already kind of thinking about photography and wanting to start that. And then when she shot our elopement and having that experience, it made me realize it would be like an absolute dream to get to shoot elopements for a job. And so that's kind of what inspired me on that path. And that same summer, I started like my photography Instagram account and just started taking photos of like friends and family oh <laughs> posting on there. And then 
attending styled shoots. And that's what kind of led into me getting my first clients and stuff like that. That's amazing. I feel like our stories are very similar because I also started off kind of in teaching when I was in school. And then I also, yeah, I was, I was studying to be a high school math teacher. What about you? What were you? What kind of teacher? Elementary school. So like all the subjects and I was teaching second grade for a few years. I've heard that that's like one of the best grades. Like those children are so sweet (laughs) and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Amazing. (laughs) I miss the kids for sure. Oh, I love that. And then, so you got kind of like inspired with, with your own wedding and everything. Did you know that you wanted to do like smaller intimate weddings or did you ever shoot big weddings just to test it out? What was like that experience like? Yeah. So my first couple weddings were just like normal weddings. They were for people that I knew already that kind of saw that I was starting photography and they were okay with having like a beginner shoot their wedding because they knew me. And so that's kind of how I started with weddings. And then very soon after I shot those first couple, I started finding styled shoots in my area that were more elopement focused which was helpful because I really wanted to start posting photos that kind of represented elopements more. And that's what like led me to finding those clients. And Mm -hmm. so pretty early on in my business, I was trying to market towards elopements, but I do shoot both. I just prefer the smaller, more like intimate ceremonies and like elopements with just a few people is like my favorite thing to shoot. Got it. Got it. So you, so you do shoot though, big weddings, like on occasion. Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you find that most people who reach out are reaching out for the intimate weddings or do you get a good mix of both? I feel like in the last like year, year and a half, I've gotten much more elopement inquiries. And then in my first year, maybe more just like normal weddings. But I sort of intentionally started focusing more on just like my website and everything. I kind of switched it to focus more on just elopements. And I think that kind of shifted my inquiries too to match that, I guess. Um, But I'll still get normal wedding inquiries and I'm taking them on still just because I enjoy shooting both and it's just good experience. I feel like eventually I might stop shooting larger weddings, Mm -hmm. but for now I still enjoy them. Got it. Yeah. I love to hear that. Um, I think a lot of people always ask like, how do I kind of market towards that type of client where like, you know, the more intimate wedding and elopement client, I'd love to kind of hear just a little bit like what your marketing process looks like. How have you just shared with your clients that, you know, you focus, do you like say on your website, I, you know, you do mostly intimate weddings or is it just your work speaks for itself or how do you kind of get that out there? Yeah. Well, on my website, like the homepage is pretty much just focused on elopements and, Those are like the photos I choose to post on my website. And then it even talks a little bit about like how I'll help you find like the perfect location for your elopement and things like that. So yeah, people kind of know that that's like my main thing. But yeah, I feel like that's the main way. But then also Instagram is just a huge way that I feel like I market myself too. And so the photos I choose to post on there are usually pretty intentional. Mm -hmm. And like if I am shooting a bigger wedding, usually I'll just post like, the photos that we took like outside somewhere in nature. And I, I don't tend to post the like, I don't know, like bridesmaid mm-hmm. photos or like the bigger wedding type photos on my Instagram, just because I'm trying to market yeah. more specifically towards 
you know, smaller, more intimate weddings. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you're very intentional about what you're sharing and what you're putting out there to try to get those types of clients to inquire with you. Totally. I love totally. that. Yeah. Awesome. And I've, I've definitely like shot a lot of different things. Like I've done like maternity shoots and portraits and all kinds and like family sessions, all of that. But, and I'll share that work occasionally, but I try to keep like maybe like 70 to 90% of the photos I post Mm -hmm. more like elopement focused. Yeah. That's a really great piece of advice just in any industry and whatever niche I guess you're doing is you want to kind of share what you want to attract. So if you're not wanting to shoot maybe as many family sessions, maybe don't post that as much and on your website and everything, but that's really great advice. How did you like go about getting that experience? Did you just like put together styled shoots or how did you really feel comfortable being able to guide an elopement couple, you know, on a hike and doing something really crazy out in the, in the Pacific Northwest? What did that look like for you? Totally. So I, I mean, I've always enjoyed hiking and just exploring the Pacific Northwest. And so thankfully it was pretty natural for me to like start location scouting or even use locations that like I used to hike at growing up. So I feel like going into photography, I already knew a decent amount of like cool locations that I wanted to shoot at. And then since starting photography, I've just continued to like build on those locations and continue to location scout and find new places. So if a client comes to me and they don't know where they want to elope, I can send them like a list of different spots that they can choose from and help guide them with that. Mm -hmm. Because I was going to say, like, I'm always curious, like how people kind of get the experience of their industry, because I feel like for wedding, like big wedding photographers, you have the option to second shoot or to reach out to second shoot or assist when you're starting off. But I feel like that's a little bit different when it comes to more intimate weddings and elopements because they're just smaller, like they are more intimate. So I was just curious how that looked like for you, just kind of navigating your first view. Totally. Okay. So yeah, I feel like after, you know, with knowing all the locations and stuff, what I started doing was I started creating my own style shoots and then also attending other photographers. The first one I ever did was just so simple. It was just me and like a couple I found on Instagram and I like got her address and had a bouquet made And we just like went to a location in the gorge, like at this waterfall. And I just took like photos of them to try to get some like elopement content. And that was the first one I ever did. It was super just like, you know, very informal, not a lot of like, it didn't take a ton of planning or cost me a ton of money. And then after that, I was like, okay, like I can do this. And I started making them a little bit more like planned out. And I've done several since then. Mm-hmm. And then also attending other people's really helped me, yeah. you know, find new locations, meet with other photographers and learn from them and like their shooting style and just getting to, ex- I don't know, like mm-hmm. hands-on experience posing and all of that. Plus the experience I had from just shooting engagements and the weddings that I had shot and things like that, that also added to that experience. Yeah. And it's always scary in the beginning. Like when I had my first elopement ever, you get nervous beforehand, but I feel like you draw on, you know, the experience you have of like being in these locations and posing couples and 
you know, using your camera, all of that. And you just kind of make it work for the first Mm -hmm. few and you get better as you experience more of them. I feel like. Totally. I feel like that's just kind of any industry or anything that you do. It's always a little bit nerve wracking at first, but just with time and, you know, in, in practice, it gets, it gets easier and you kind of perfect your craft, but I'd love to kind of hear more about the planning process. I think a lot of people like have a lot of questions about shooting at national parks and like permits, all Mm -hmm. of the kind of not so fun stuff per se. So I'd love to kind of just have you walk through what that process looks like, like obtaining a permit. How do you know if a location needs a permit? Do you handle this? Do your clients handle that? What you pack with you, all of that stuff. Cool. Yeah. That's such a great question. So I typically, my clients will like pay for a permit, say they want to get eloped in like a national park or something. Usually there is a permit to get married there that they can pay for. It's usually a couple hundred dollars. And I think it varies park to park. So it's good to like go on the park's website. And usually there's a phone number and email that you can contact someone to be sure about this. But occasionally the photographer needs a separate permit. But some of the permits the photographer is like included in the wedding permit, if that makes sense. And so it's an annoying answer, but it kind of varies depending on where Mm -hmm. the location is. So it's good to go to their website and just, I usually just call someone because I've emailed before and like never heard back. And so getting on the phone with someone and just asking them like what the, their permit process is. And usually they'll ask like how many people are going to be there and like that type of thing and then tell you whether you're allowed to do that and what the permit process is like. So it's not very fun to have to do that every time, but I feel like that's the way to guarantee that you're following the park's rules. (laughs) Yeah. Do you typically do this before they book or do you gather this information? Like how do you go about knowing the pricing before they book, but then not having all the information until after they book? How does that timeline kind of look like? So... For me, it really varies based off of the client. Like some clients will come to me and they'll already have their location picked out. Like they'll say, I'm getting eloped in Yosemite and they have like the permit for eloping and everything and they just want me to come shoot it. And in that case, I won't need to do that research for them, but maybe they don't have their location picked out and they're asking me for locations. And if I'm recommending a national park to them, I would also let them know like this is their permit requirement. And Mm -hmm. like for Mount Rainier, for example, it depends on like how many people you're going to have there and all that stuff. And they have different rules based off of it. So I could send them that information, which is usually on the website, but I can just send it to them. So Mm -hmm. they don't have to do that research and then let them know like, this is who you need to contact if you want to choose this location to like get your permit. Mm -hmm. So I'll help them with that process, but it would be on them to like pay for the permit, just like a client would pay for their venue if they're getting married somewhere. Totally. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I guess just in terms of pricing for an elopement shoot, do you create custom packages? Do you have a pricing guide? Or because every, I'm assuming that like every, well, I know that every intimate wedding and elopement is unique. So how do you personally go about pricing your packages? Yeah. So I do have a pricing guide that I send out and I kind of, I like to base my pricing, at least for now, off of like the amount of hours that I'm doing, just because 
I don't know. I feel like this is something I've heard different opinions on, but at least for me so far, I felt like I definitely am more exhausted after like a 10 hour wedding than I am after like a four hour elopement. And there's just a different amount of work that goes into those two things and a different amount of like energy for me too. And so I have like a small like four hour elopement package that I charge less for versus like an eight hour wedding or something like that. And that's laid out in my pricing guide. But then I also note in my email that I send them that custom packages are available if they don't see a package that lines up with like the exact amount of time they're wanting to hire me for and things like that. I'm willing to kind of work with them to, you know, match whatever they need because I feel like each wedding and elopement is so unique and different that I'm open to like hearing what they want if it's different than one of the packages that I offer. Yeah. Absolutely. I do the same. So I'm always just like curious to hear how other people do that, or you have kind of like mm-hmm. your your hourly rate or just like, you know, your most common or popular package, but then you also are open to creating custom packages because they are so unique and can totally. vary. Do you typically like find yourself shooting more of these elopements and intimate weddings in the Pacific Northwest or do you travel? I know you mentioned Yosemite. And then what does that look like just as far as that entire process, travel fees, just for for outside travel out of your area? Yeah. So I mostly shoot in Oregon and Washington, but I have done a few outside of those states and I do charge a travel fee. I've sort of been doing like, just like a custom travel fee, I guess, depending on the location because I don't do a ton of like super far away travel. So I just kind of make a unique package for them. Mm -hmm. if it is a destination elopement. But yeah, I've done most of them in Oregon and Washington, which honestly I like because I feel like traveling a few times a year is usually enough for me. I feel like I would be a little overwhelmed maybe like having to travel every month. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like that it's only a few times a year right now. Yeah, no, and it, and I did also want to ask just about your gear because I want to talk to you like about everything that you carry on you for these hikes. And I'm assuming that would also be a lot of work when you travel or just traveling to another state and just making sure that you have everything, you have your hiking shoes, you have your camera gear, lighting equipment, anything that you need. So I would love to hear what you do pack when you go out on an elopement or just like an adventurous wedding. Yeah, so I feel like I actually don't do or haven't done yet. I'm totally open to doing it, but I haven't done any like crazy hiking elopements. A lot of the elopements I do, you don't need to hike super far to like the destination we're going to. Occasionally it's like less than a mile or even like just like on the beach or just like right there. I don't know. So I haven't done any like several mile, like packing out all my camera gear, which I know some elopement photographers do that, which is awesome. And yeah, I just haven't experienced an elopement like that yet. And so I do just kind of carry everything in my bag and it's usually not a problem. I'm usually not going too far, Mm -hmm. but I shoot with a Canon 5D Mark IV and I also have prime lenses right now. I use my 35 millimeter and my 50 millimeter the most. And I'm thinking about switching out my gear soon. And so I say that with like, this is what I've been using so far, but I, I do kind of want to switch to mirrorless and get like a zoom lens and just kind of upgrade everything hopefully in the next few months. And so 
that will be switching soon, but I have liked my gear so far and it's done well for me. Yeah. How is it like shooting with prime lenses? Do you ever find it like difficult when you're having to shoot at a distance or do you not really run into that? Because I recently upgraded. Well, I have still my 35 millimeter 1.4, but I recently just Mm -hmm. got the 28 to 7 to 70 F2. It's the RF Canon lens. And Uh it's like, I think someone called it like a zoom prime lens, which is like the perfect description. And I'm like, how did I live so long without this lens? So I'd love to kind of hear your experience shooting um, kind of these more like, you know, adventurous or just elopements with prime lenses. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely worked for me so far, but kind of like you were saying, I know as soon as I get a zoom lens, I'm going to feel like, why did I ever mm-hmm. use anything else? Just because there have been so many moments where I'm like, oh, this would be so easy to just, like if I had a zoom lens on my camera to get like all the shots I need without having to move around so much or like get too close (laughs) to my clients too during certain moments or whatever it is. And so that's definitely why I'm thinking about switching. Yeah. But I do, I mean, prime lenses work so great and the photos turn out beautiful, but it's just a little more work with having to like move around and make sure you're using the space well. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I just thought of another question just because we were talking about gear and everything, but just with the weather out there, what like, what do you do in situations with rain as far as like protecting your gear, but also just like, I know it rains a lot up in Oregon and Washington. So I just wanted to ask just like how you navigate that, especially on a wedding day and you're like outdoors. I'm assuming it's not always covered. What do you do to protect your gear? What do you do for your couples? Like, how does that, what does that look like? Yeah. So yeah, rain is definitely a big thing here. I always have a clear umbrella in my car for my clients, if, if it starts like raining during their shoot or their wedding or whatever, I like to have an umbrella that's like cute that I can give Mm -hmm. them that we can use for photos if we have to, or just for them to use in between photos so that they can keep a little more dry. And then same for myself, like have an umbrella. And then I also just, I should probably think of a better method, but I'll just wear like a huge raincoat that I will like stick my camera under any chance that like I'm not shooting or whatever. And I've also like stuck my umbrella kind of behind my camera backpack. So it's like holding itself up. Um, (laughs) Wait, I've never thought of that. (laughs) Yeah. So you just kind of get creative, I guess. But surprisingly, like rain hasn't been a huge issue. Like it's definitely rained at certain shoots, but I've never had any issues with it, like messing with my gear and Normally it's like spotty rain too, where it'll rain for like 20 minutes and then stop for 20 minutes. And so mm-hmm. we'll get like a little bit of both. Yeah, Rain is so different and everywhere that you go, like Chicago rain, if it rains, it's like, it's pouring usually. Uh-huh. But I know like when, so I actually was in Portland last year for like a month and a half just traveling. And it was like, like you said, it's kind of just like, rains for 20 minutes and it stops and it's very light. But I did mm-hmm. do a shoot. I did a vow renewal like on the coast and it was raining. And then I didn't, 
it was so silly of me, but the rain got onto like my viewfinder and I just look at my screen usually, but because Uh the rain was on the viewfinder, it like thought that it was my eye. So it stopped showing me my screen. And I literally had like a moment of panic because I was actually shooting other photographers. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm two and a half hours away from Portland on the coast and something's not working. And so that's why I was asking too, because I just feel like sometimes when it comes to rain and just protecting your gear... I just want to be be cautious about that. But I figured it out. It was fine. But now I know because it happened again. I'm like, what is going on? And I realized that the rain just hit a certain point where it just detected. So I just needed to wipe it off. But yeah, I was just curious on that. Yeah, I feel like that can definitely happen. I I feel like I need to get... I've, I've seen this on Reels before, but there's like rain protectors that you can order on Amazon for your camera. So I should get one. The one that's like in the hot shoe or the cold shoe, or is it like attached another way? I I think you just stick your camera in it. I don't I don't totally know. I saw a quick reel on okay. it and I was like, I need to order that. <laughs> I saw one where it like goes in the, like the hot shoe, like where your flash goes in, which probably is totally fine if you're, if you don't need flash. I was just thinking like, oh, if you need to use your flash at the same time, it probably wouldn't work. But maybe there's like another oh, method. But I'm assuming if it's, if you're going midday, then you probably don't need like any sort of lighting. But yeah, I need to get something like that too. Because it's been surprising. I'm in California right now and it's been surprisingly Uh gloomy. And like it was raining for a few months, like nonstop. So it's always just good to be prepared with gear because you never know what to expect. But totally on that topic, I did want to ask kind of about insurance because I know when I was like, you know, and I haven't done too many shoots or weddings at national parks, but I know that some of them, like some of the permits require insurance, but obviously you want to protect your gear. And just in general, if you're a photographer, like running a photography business probably should have insurance. But I wanted to ask you about that. And if there are like certain insurance or like coverage that you need for shooting at these national parks and like what your experience with that has been like. Honestly, I haven't run into that with the locations that I've shot at. I've only shot at, I think, three different national parks and they haven't asked about insurance. So now I'm curious. And okay, do you, yeah, did did you have a specific location that mm-hmm. asked for insurance? Part yeah, he's like, I need to, <laughs> I need to look into that. <laughs> I know it's like Joshua Joshua Tree does, and certain okay. certain venues and like certain venues in Chicago because I'm back and forth between Chicago and Southern California, but Southern California uh-huh. for sure. Like a lot of venues will require you to have the certificate or the ROI or something like that for proof of insurance. And I know like it's like for to get a permit at Joshua Tree. Well, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that for Joshua Tree, in order to shoot professionally, you have to have a permit. And then I think they ask for proof of insurance. So that's why I was kind of curious. I think you should have insurance no matter what, but I was just curious like if there's certain requirements for insurance shooting at national parks. But that's... Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like there is at some of them. Mm -hmm. I, I think the ones I've done so far have not asked for that. But I was just down in Joshua Tree, but I didn't do any shoots Mm. while I was there. Oh my gosh. How'd you like it? It's so beautiful. It was so fun exploring. I had like a wedding kind of in the mountains by Palm Springs and then stayed for a couple of days after and just explored around Joshua Tree. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Was it a bigger wedding or? 
Yeah, it was. It was actually my cousin's wedding. And so that was fun to get to go down there and shoot her wedding. That's so special. I wanted to ask, like, what is like, what has been one of your favorite elopements or just like weddings that you've ever shot? Do you have one or a few? It's so hard to pick just one, but I feel like there's a few that always stand out in my mind, like a few elopements that just felt so like easy and like special and just like such a fun day. The one I did in Yosemite was amazing. That was kind of a surreal moment for me because I, I don't know, I still felt like pretty new into my business and just felt so lucky to be getting to like go to one of my favorite national parks and shooting an elopement there. That one was really special. And then recently I had one in Smith Rock, which is in Oregon. And the couple was just like so amazing. They had been trying to plan their wedding since 2020 and like had planned like four different weddings and they all fell through. And so they finally just decided to elope. And we just like had the most beautiful weather. They like said their vows on like this stunning cliffside. And then we just like walked around and like hung out and took photos together for the rest of our time. And it was just so, so special. I so love special. That. Oh my gosh. So I just love the slow, like intimate elopements. They're definitely my favorite. Yeah. Do you have like timeline? Do you create a timeline with your couple for these or because it's slower, you don't like, I guess, what are some of the differences in preparation that you do for your smaller weddings, elopements, as opposed to like your bigger ones? Yeah. I feel like it depends a little bit on what the couple wants to do as far as like if they're going to have any guests at all present, like any family members, if it's just going to be like them and an officiant, if it is, then usually it's super laid back and we'll start with like the ceremony and stuff and then just like go explore around and take photos together. Some couples will like have an Airbnb that they want to get photos at or like get ready at first. Some have family there and then we they want to like take family photos. So then we'll plan a little more like of a specific timeline. So we know when all those things will be happening. Yeah. But yeah, like it's just a unique timeline for each couple, I feel like. And we plan around like when the lighting will be the best and all of that stuff too. Yes. I love that. I feel like it's always, it's always good to be prepared in any, any wedding and any session just to kind of have a general timeline and just like a vision, just a vision that you're going to bring to life. I love that. And then, well, I did want to ask, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to get into more intimate weddings and elopements? What are some things that maybe you struggled with that you can kind of now look back and say, oh, here's what I would have done differently? Yeah, I feel like I touched on this earlier, but really putting out the type of photos that you want to be taking, like on your social media, on your website, showing people the type of work you want to be shooting will like attract those clients. And so if you don't have elopement clients yet or haven't shot an elopement yet, I would recommend trying to find styled shoots in your area or even trying to find like an elopement photographer that offers mentor sessions or that would be you know, willing to let you shadow them if they have like a mentorship program or something like that. Because then you can start to post those types of photos and attract that type of client. I feel like when a potential client is looking for a photographer, they want to see the type of photos on their page that they want to have of themselves. And so if they go to your page and they don't see any elopement stuff there, then they probably won't reach out. 
versus if they see that you've done like all these different shoots in these locations that look like the type of place they want to get married, then they'll be more inclined to like reach out and inquire with you. Yeah, totally. Do you do most of your marketing on Instagram or have you found success or just like inquiries come in through other social media platforms like Pinterest or blogging or TikTok or is it mostly Instagram? It's definitely mostly Instagram for me, but I did also start a TikTok in 2020 when I started my photography Instagram. And I don't, I'm not as consistent on TikTok at all. And so I get less inquiries through there, but I do get some like on my like contact form, people can tell me how they found me and people do select TikTok every now and again. Mm -hmm. And so, but most people find me through Instagram. And so that's where, just where I try to be consistent because that's where I'm getting most of my clients. Yeah. But yeah. And then I also have my website linked in my Instagram bio, which really helps. I feel like that's where most people will inquire with me is through my website. Yeah, totally. Do you do any sort of blogging or because I feel like I've seen so many helpful blogs just like in general on like national parks or just like how to plan an elopement, for example, like at Mount Rainier, if that's how you pronounce it. Like, do you do anything uh-huh. like that that might possibly help? No, but I do want to. I definitely have been meaning to for a long time, like start blogging more consistently and wanting to like post to Pinterest and things like that. So that's definitely an intention I have for like moving forward. And I've just been bad at, yeah, Yeah. posting blogs and doing all of that. (laughs) But I want to start for sure. I feel like that can definitely help draw people in, especially if you are having a harder time finding clients on Instagram, there are so many other ways that you can market yourself and share your work that don't include Instagram if that's not working. Totally. Yeah. I feel like if you're already doing like a great job on Instagram and you're, you're booking and things are going well, like don't touch what's working. But also yeah. like if, and if you don't have the time, like I totally get that. I recently brought on a VA to help me with blogging because it is just like a task that I just like never want to sit down and do. And so it's been like the best thing for my business. It has helped so much. So if let's say you're someone who, or or you, even you Carly, but just like, (laughs) yeah, if like wanting to do that, that's also a really great option. I feel like that's helped a little bit. Kind of how you said with TikTok, just like doing it here and there. I feel like just, I get like a couple people who just sprinkle in from Pinterest Mm -hmm. and I'll see it. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's nice. I feel like that could, that could be helpful too for, for marketing. And do you personally like do mentorships, in-person mentorships? I'd love to kind of hear what you offer for education. Yeah, I do offer mentorships. It's not a huge focus for me right now, as far as like, I'm not marketing a ton for them, but if somebody reaches out and they want to like do a shoot with me and like learn from me. I do offer an in-person mentorship where we would like get coffee for like an hour and then have a photo shoot that like I would find a model or models for us and get to go shoot together and have that experience. But it's not something I'm marketing a ton for right now, just because I feel like I've already got a lot going on. (laughs) But if somebody were to reach out and then I would find a time to work with them. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Is there anything that you're currently working on that you want to share with everyone? I guess I recently started a podcast and 
yeah, that's been fun. It's been like a fun challenge. I just kind of want a space outside of Instagram that I can connect with other like creative people. And I've been enjoying that so far. It's kind of nice to switch it up. And so that's called The Art Is You. And it's only on Spotify right now. But Awesome. Awesome. I'll be sure to include that in the description. And where can everyone find you and follow you on social media? So I'm just on Instagram and TikTok and on both. It's Carly May Photography. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I'll make sure to include all of your information in the description. And you guys should definitely check out Carly's podcast. We're going to be doing an episode on there as well. And I'm so excited. But yeah, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. And for those who listen to the end, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D. If you liked today's episode, please let me know by leaving a review and make sure to follow for more episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Anissa D Photography. See you back here next time for a new episode. Bye.